Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C-H-E-F-R-A-N-J-O-H-N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right, you guys, um, welcome back to, or if this is your first time joining us today, we have Coach Wright. I'm going to leave most of the introductions to her. Coach Chelsea, who is normally, um, who has put all of this together, she put this back together starting last April, and it's been a thing where we've all kind of come together, and we've become a family, and she had an appointment today that she could not reschedule, so she called on me and asked me to help, and as everybody knows, when she calls, you do not say no. So <laughs> I'm going to do the best that I can. It is not going to be anything close to how she would do this, but we are going to make it work, and I think I've, I've been extremely blessed by this platform and I I just don't think it's something that um, is a thing that we can stop or that it's something that um, her being absent one of us can't help out so I think it's awesome that you've joined us today and I'm going to really leave it up to you then. Thank you I appreciate that um, yeah I'm, I'm really humbled I was a little surprised but very grateful and honored that she asked me to be on here and speak um, you know, as we all know, there's been like a gajillion Zoom calls created through quarantine, but I was really encouraged and uplifted that there was one created for coaches to come together and not just talk about basketball, but, but to talk about Christ and kind of how our faith has shaped us and shaped our career. Um, I think it's also so telling about the heart behind it that it's still going and that it's such a strong knit group of people. Um, and I think it's awesome. So I'm really grateful to be here. Um, I'm just going to jump right in, tell you a little bit about me, kind of my journey on how I got where I am and, and uh, talk about how Christ has led me here. So currently I am the assistant coach at Florida Southwestern State College. We are a division one junior college in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, I love my job. Uh, I am super, super passionate about junior college and the level. Um, I was definitely led here by God. I knew nothing about JUCO before I got here, like absolutely nothing. And to be completely honest, for most of my life, did not want to be a college coach at all. Um, you know, I always joke and say that I didn't choose this career. This career chose me. But probably the right way to say that is God called me for it, um, created and called me to it, and wouldn't let me go without ending up in it. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how I got here. Uh, basketball has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And, you know, it's, I've always felt called to it. Um, but through my faith journey and my, my life, God has rewritten that story differently than I expected and, and redefined what my calling really is through the sport. Um, I grew up in a really, really small town, Clayton, Georgia. Um, you know, I was gifted at, with this passion for basketball at a young age. And I know it came from God because, uh, you know, I was grew up in this area where playing at the next level wasn't as common maybe as other areas. We weren't super high level basketball and had a lot of exposure, tiny little town. Um, and both my parents, neither one played college sports, neither one played basketball ever. Uh, but for some reason, as a little 10 year old, I went up in my room and started making a list of goals for my life, bullet points, detailed all the way through. And as a 10 year old, as far as I could see was college. And so my last bullet point on my list was to earn a full scholarship to play college basketball, which I actually wrote at 10 years old, which is, I don't know who does that, but I did. And so from that point forward, my life was revolved around the sport. That became my, my goal, my mission uh, to achieve those. And I viewed the sport as something uh, to help, you know, make something of myself and, and create a life for myself. And so that's what my, my goal was. And I'm super grateful for that passion um, that he gave me at a young age. But what started off as a love for basketball quickly turned into 
my idol. Um, it quickly turned into how I saw my self-worth and my identity. Um, basketball no longer became something that I did, but it was who I was. And this was really revealed to me uh, when I got to the college level. Um, everything about who I was was based on a culmination of my successes or my failures or if I performed well or if I didn't perform well. Uh, that is how I viewed who I was. And that to me was, um, you know, you would, if you had asked me throughout my childhood, I would have told you that this is obviously from God and this is the platform God gave me and this is what he wants me to use to glorify him. And I fully believed that and, um, and, and stood firm in that. And, and, but God quickly revealed that there was a little bit different motivation behind why I was doing what I was doing. Um, and it was in college. I finally got to college. I earned a full scholarship to the University of North Alabama um, at the time for Coach Terry Fowler. He's now the head coach of South Alabama. An amazing man, uh, amazing godly man. The process of getting there was incredible. Again, knew exactly that's where I was supposed to be. Full-heartedly believed it. Uh, felt called there by God. And, and then I had a disastrous career. My career was awful. Um, I ended up tearing my ACL twice. Um, first day in my sophomore year, uh, first, and then again, first day in my junior year season. Um, so in that moment, so basically subsequently ending my career. I didn't play in college, basically. And um, I was distraught and destroyed and didn't know where to go from there because all of a sudden God had sat me down and taken away the thing that I had built all of my plans all of my goals um, on top of and also the thing that I used to measure my self-worth and define who I was I no longer have and I was angry at the world I was angry at basketball I was angry at God and um, I didn't know what to do and that was the first time I really realized that, okay, maybe my plans and my goals aren't exactly aligning with God. And also how much of myself was wrapped up in the sport. And I hadn't really ever realized that until I didn't have it. And that was quickly revealed to me through that process. Um, so subsequently my career was over. I ended up graduating college early. Um, this, the year, the summer before my senior year, I did a, uh, internship overseas with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and, um, it was with a small missionary group over there that, um, used sports to, um, impact communities, um, for Christ, and that summer really was probably the first time I really personally understood what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, I was blessed with an incredible household and incredible leaders and my parents. Um, but it became personal for me that summer. And so after I graduated from college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I no longer had basketball. All my plans had crumbled. And so, but I knew I wanted to go back overseas. So I raised money and went overseas to be a sports missionary, basically. Um, lived on someone's couch. I moved to the country of Malta, which most people don't know much about. It's this tiny little island in the Mediterranean um, and worked with this small sports missionary group um, lived on a couch, had no money, not a paying job. I just uh, ran sports camps, trained some Olympic athletes there, uh, and was working with this group to, you know, serve communities for Christ through sport. And accidentally, through a series of events, ended up meeting and playing with a small semi-pro club team there. And completely accidental, but it happened. And uh, I'll never forget the first game I played with him. I called my dad afterwards, just weeping tears of joy because it'd been the first time I'd been back on the floor in a long, long time. And before that, I had pretty much closed that door in my brain and my heart. I was over it, you know, and when I did it again, um, the way that I am built, I, I like to understand why things happen. My biggest struggle with God is always questioning why you know, A plus B must equal C. And all the time I'm telling him it doesn't add up. I don't understand what you're doing in my life. Um, so when I finally got to play again, I was like, oh, okay, got it. I see you, God. You didn't want me to play in college. You didn't want that career for me, but you want me to be overseas. Um, you know, I'm broke. I don't have any money, but I'm doing your work and I get to play ball. So it all makes sense now. And for me, um, you know, all of that started to come together and now I was able to form new plans. And again, that's, that's me, my personality. Um, you know, I think as humans, a lot of times, it's the best of both worlds if what we love and what we're passionate about can serve God and also serve us, right? So that's the perfect world for us if 
it can serve both. And for me, that was the best of my world. I was overseas doing God's work, but I also got to play basketball. And in my brain, I thought, okay, this is why all these things happen. Um, and then not even three weeks later, I was actually at a global Christian ministry conference in Italy. Uh, wanted to play pickup with a few friends just for fun. We were out on a blacktop court, went to make a post-entry pass, twisted wrong, fell. Um, immediately knew I tore it again, same knee, third time, left knee. Um, and it was the most surreal moment for me, one of the most surreal moments for me in my life, because outside Rabin looking in, I knew I should have been distraught and angry and mad. I had just now started to formulate all these new plans. I thought I knew what God wanted me to do. And now in an instant, I was going to have to go back home, have surgery, and all of these things were falling apart. I had already applied for a visa. I was signing a contract. I was ready to go. Um, but when I tell you, I did not shed a tear that day. I was completely at peace with it. And it was the first time in my life, you know, Philippians 4, 7 is a pretty common verse, but the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That was personified for me in that moment because it didn't make sense, the peace that I felt. I wasn't distraught. I wasn't even mad about it. And I had complete peace over me in that moment. Everyone that was with me at the time was like, are you okay? Did you tear your ACL? Are you sure? And I said, I know that I did, but I'm okay with it. And the reason that I felt that way is because it was the first time in my life that I felt like God and I were finally on the same page. And the only page that was, was me finally surrendering my plans to him and, you know, telling him I'm done trying to write my own story. Please write it for me. Um, and that was so incredibly freeing for me to relinquish that, to quit battling him on uh, trying to write my own story and make my own plans that didn't align with his. And what I should have done from the, from the start was say, you gave me this passion, you gave me this love, what do you want me to do with it? Um, but for so long, I had decided for myself what I thought he wanted for me. Um, and in this moment, it finally didn't matter what I wanted, all that mattered was what he wanted. Um, and what he wanted was uh, for me to come back home, which at the time I struggled with a little bit because I was like, all right, God, I don't really understand this because I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm doing your work. I'm broke. I'm struggling. I'm over here serving you. Um, this is what I want you to do. And he, he said, and I'll never forget the day I felt like he told me that he said, Raven, I have a mission field for you, but it's back home. And boy, I didn't want to do that, but I did. And I came home and that has never been more true. That's fulfilled itself 10 times over. Um, and this job is my mission field and it is where I'm called to be wholeheartedly. Um, so that's what I did. I came home, still was fighting it a little bit, um, but God continually sent me very strong messages that this is what he wanted me to do. I actually right after surgery, had a coach that coached in the same conference I played in called me. And uh, he said, I, you know, I have this graduate assistant position open. Um, doesn't pay any money, but it's, it's a great position. I think you'd be great for it. Um, please come meet with me. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I'll go meet with them. Uh, he offered me the job on the spot and he said, I won't take no for an answer. And so through this man, God firmly nudged me towards what he wanted me to do. And uh, you know, I always joke and say, God made me. So he knows exactly how stubborn I am. And he knows how he has to communicate with me. And most of the time, those are very bold, direct, and incredibly humbling experiences. <laughs> and I'm very grateful that he works like that in my life. Um, but it typically is very direct and bold. So long story short, I did my two years there and ended up here down at Florida Southwestern State College. And uh, this is going on my, my third year here. And I'm absolutely where I'm supposed to be. Um, you know, through that process, through all those moments in my life, I, I kind of got to this full circle moment where I realized the passion that God gave me at 10 years old for this game wasn't for me. It was for him. And it wasn't for me to be successful. That's really what I wanted. If you had asked me growing up, I would have said, this is my, yes, of course, this is for God. This is my platform to use to glorify him. But what I really wanted was to be successful. I wanted to set records. I wanted to win ball games. That's what I really wanted. And that's what I thought the passion was for. And he brought me full circle and showed me that the passion he gave me at 11 years old, it wasn't pointless. It was so that all these years later, I can use it to impact the lives of young women that I do every day. 
Um, and that was hard for me to see. And, but that full circle moment was really rewarding for me. And um, I'm really appreciative that he was as firm with me as he was and got me where I am. Um, you know, two of the main things that I learned through my journey, one is to stop trying to write my own story. You know, that if we're going to claim that we are going to live for God, we have to live and walk with him. You know, I, I think there's a, a level of humility that comes with admitting that we can't do it on our own. You know, I think a lot of times we talk about humility as we see humility as doing something wrong and getting punished for it and, and you know, dealing with the consequences. But isn't it also admitting that we're not meant to do this on our own and we're not good enough to do it on our own? Um, and that was one of my biggest lessons in humility was him just continually telling me, Raven, stop trying to do this on your own. Do it for me and with me. Um, that was one of my main lessons. One of the other ones, which is probably the most important one for me as an adolescent and as a young woman, was that my identity was a child of God, a daughter of the King, period. That's it. Um, my identity wasn't based on wins or losses. It wasn't based on if I played or not. It wasn't now as an adult. It's not based on if I have a job or not, how much money I make. I am a child of God, daughter of the King, period. And it's firm and it's a foundation you can rely on and nothing of the world can impact that or change it. Um, and for me, that is my main motivation in my job. Um, I want the young women that leave my program to know that they are first, foremost, and most importantly, a beloved, worthy child of God. That's who they are. And then they're a sister, an aunt, a friend, and then they're a student, and then they're an athlete in that order, always. And, you know, I'm a coach, and I love to win, and I believe in pushing them to be their best. I will always hold them to their highest standard because I believe basketball is that a tool God gave them to open many doors. But my main motivation in my job is to make sure that they know there's so much more than that. Um, we live in a world that loves to tell us what we're not and what we can't be, loves to tell young women what they cannot become. And I won't have any of that. And I coach young women who've been told their whole life who they are and they're unable to see past that. Um, and it's my job to make sure that they, when they leave, they know their foundation, who they are, can never change because it's a child of God and nothing from the world can impact that. Um, I mean, think about the world today, right? So COVID hits and so many people, the sport that their life was built upon crumbled. Uh, the sport that pays their bills, the sport that gave them their title, the sport that made them who they are all of a sudden was stripped. And for a lot of people still is. Um, I just praise God every day that we still have a team and my kids can still play as of right now. But what happens when that's taken away? I think so many people found themselves in a place of limbo because the thing that they had built their lives around didn't exist anymore. And I, my goal is for my kids to never feel that. I don't ever want them to come to a place where they feel like all that they are is a basketball player. Athletes are more than athletes, coaches are more than coaches. And if I don't instill that in them, I'm not preparing them for life. Um, you know, so for me, that's one of the most important things um, that I try and do as a leader uh, in, in my position. And, you know, I think humility, again, is one of the main things that I always think about when I, when I think about being a servant leader. And in my job, God has continually, always, always brings me back to a point where I cannot deny that I need him. Um, never does he ever let me get to a point, back to a point where I think I can do it on my own. You know, I'm laying in bed multiple nights where I feel the weight of 15 lies on my chest. Because um, that's what it's about for me, is my kids. And that's a lot. That's a lot of emotional heaviness when you realize you've got 15 adolescent, impressionable young women looking up to you. And a lot of times, most times, I believe in them more than they believe in themselves. And I'm trying to help them envision a future beyond what they're capable of envisioning because their whole life they've been, they've been told they can't get there. And that's a lot to, to handle and take on and go to bed at night with. And, um, you know, continually in my brain, I'm always saying, you know, but I'm telling them, I love them. I'm telling who, who they are and who they can be. And God's always like, tell them who I think they are. Tell them who I know they are. 
that's so much more solid and firm than what you think they are. They've had adults their whole lives tell them who they're not and who they aren't. And those things are ever changing and, and not dependable. But who I say my kids are is who they are. And, um, you know, he just continually brings me back to that point where I just have to cry out and say, I got you. I can't do it without you. And here I am. And please use me for that. Um, you know, like I said, this is about the kids for me. And so I want everything I do to reflect Christ for them. I'm a big believer and it's a lot more about what you do than what you say. Um, creating a safe place for them where they can be vulnerable and honest and transparent. It starts with you being vulnerable and honest and transparent. Um, it's okay for kids to know you're human. It's okay for them to know you struggle. It's actually important to know that they, to, for them to know you struggle um, because that opens the door for genuine, honest conversation. Um, you know, Proverbs 423 is one of my go-tos. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Um, if I don't, I'm not doing my job because whatever is in my heart, whatever I put inside, that's what's going to flow from me into the lives, again, of these impressionable young women. And um, I want it to remain about them. You know, I think that we live in a, or we work in a profession, a very worldly profession. Um, I haven't been in it for very long, but it's very obvious to me. And I felt it myself, this pressure to, uh, to do this job for you, to move on and move up, make sure you're shaking the right hands, make sure, you know, you're, again, we're back to an identity and I've, I struggle with this, right? Your identity in this profession is now based on who you know, um, how many years you've done it, uh, what references are on your resume, how many important dinners you have at the final four with fancy people, how many business cards you hand out. That makes our, that makes up our identity. And how sad is it that those are the things that we value what we create our self-worth on instead of the lives we impact and the, the kids that come across our teams. And, um, you know, for me, that was really hard because a few years into this, I, I think I was at a conference and I remember sitting there in the stands and I just, I felt like I was behind. I was like watching all these young people run around and I felt like guilty for not knowing enough people, I guess, or not shaking enough, enough hands, but I sat back and I thought, you know, I'm doing my job and I love my kids. Why do I feel guilty for not doing more? And it's because we live in a profession that wants to value your success rate on different things than that. Um, I can't tell you how many people call me and tell me, Raven, you better get out of JUCO. You better get out of junior college. You're going to be stuck in junior college. Um, I remember coming out as a graduate assistant I'd made no money. I was applying for all my first jobs and I had three people call me and tell me not to take this job because it was at junior college and you're not going to become who you want to be. You're not going to get to the level you want to become if you go to junior college. And, you know, that's sad to me because that's not what it's about. And I know for a fact I'm where I'm supposed to be. Am I going to be here forever? No, but I just think that guarding your heart in this profession is so important because it's so easy to get wrapped up again, creating, finding yourself an identity crisis because we're so pressured to be someone we're not. And we're so pressured to make the motivation behind why we do not the kids. And that's what it's about for me. So, you know, to me, being a servant leader starts with humility. Um, and that's what I strive to do every day. Um, it's funny how God works. I have to share this because I was going through my Bible preparing for this yesterday and this piece of paper fell out and it's actually something I wrote to myself while I was overseas. Um, and it just kind of sums up how I feel about how we should, you know, how God uses us in our times of struggles. And it says, I have learned that I am made to be imperfect for Christ. Where my weakness are revealed, his strength shines. Where my mistakes and imperfections are exemplified, his holiness and perfection are made greater. I must always remember that to be meek is not weak and that it's okay to not know all the answers. It's fine to fall on my face because he can use everything for his own glory. And in my walk with my kids, it's very important for me that I strive to live like Christ, which is a humble, 
servant leader. Um, you know, Christ came down. He didn't have to come down as a human. He could have come down in all his glory and told us all exactly what to do um, in a much different way. But he humbled himself and came down as a human, tempted just like we were, felt pain just like we do, and literally left us with an example to follow. And I fail at that every day, every single day. You know, I every time I have a, a job or a career question or something I'm struggling with, my immediate, my immediate instinct is to call somebody, call a friend, what's usually to call my dad, which, you know, my dad's words aren't written in red in the Bible, but they're about as close to scripture other than Jesus' word as they get in my mind. But um, other than my dad, I usually call a friend, a colleague, and I have, you know, I have a great group of people that I trust and who are godly men and women that support me, but why is that my first call? You know, if I'm really claiming to live for God, if I'm really claiming to do this for him, he should be who I go to first. And, and I fail at that. Uh, you know, I fail at that every day. And um, again, I didn't want this profession. This was not my plan. I was going to be my bachelor's in broadcast journalism. I was going to be an ESPN and that was my plan. And this was God's. And I'm so glad that I ended up here doing this. Um, but, you know, every single day to serve my kids and my girls the right way, uh, I have to humble myself daily and, and try and be more like him. So I know that was a lot, but that's pretty much all I've got. Um, so. Wow. That was absolutely amazing. Um, I think coach Chelsea has continually over and over and over kind of outdone herself with who she brings on here and who um, God has placed in her life to reach out to and has blessed us with. Um, I haven't been on every single call, but you absolutely have touched me and I'm so glad we didn't cancel this or we didn't do, go, go a different direction because of whatever, but I think that we needed this. I, I absolutely needed this and I appreciate that. And I thank you so much for coming on here and being willing to talk to me and not coach Chelsea. Um, but I coach Chris in the comments said she needed this too. So I think this is something that um, was absolutely needed and God always knows what he's doing and who he's placing in our lives. And I am a firm believer of that. Um, and so I want to thank you first and foremost, we're going to get into some questions um, but I wanted to say that first because I'm just blown away with that entire story. And one of the things I did want to tell you, I'm in junior college too. I'm an assistant coach at Central Arizona College. And you say that a couple of years ago, like when you first got into it, you seemed like you were behind and that you didn't really know that you think you thought that you should be a little bit further and other people were telling you not to go junior college and I want to tell you right now that I've been in it for 10 years I've been at the college level I was at uh, division two um, NCAA division two for two years where I played and then I've been junior college ever since then and I can tell you being in it for 10 years that you are so far beyond where so many coaches are that have been in it for probably double what I've been in it because you have your priorities and you have that you are leaning on God and you are doing it for the kids and that you are doing it for your players. So that by itself, you were a million times beyond where a ton of coaches are. Um, so it's awesome to see and that's awesome to hear. And I want to kind of go into that and um, one of the questions is that I want to know is kind of how does your faith drive you being at the junior college level? Do you see anything different from like maybe where you played, where you've seen other coaches? How is that? Yeah, well, um, you know, one reason that I love this level and I'm so passionate about it is, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes that you go and there's a lot of negative stigma attached to it. Um, but what I love about it is I get to have, I get to take kids and, and help them prove people wrong. And, um, the, you know, and everyone has their different story and I have kids from all over and they're here for different reasons. A lot of my kids came to JUCO, not because it was a last resort, but because they wanted to be here and they wanted to get better. And, you know, what they had out of high school, they felt like they could do better. And then they leave us and they're more equipped and prepared for the world. Um, but there's a lot of struggles that come with junior college, you know, and like I said, you know, God always brings me back to a place to remind me that I can't do it without him. And, you know, one just at, Personally, uh, it's a blessing in my career because I, I get a lot of experience, but I do it. I do a lot. I do and I'll have a hand in all areas of this job. And 
that can become overwhelming at times. Um, so leaning on him for, for encouragement and support in that area, but specifically in prayer for my girls, because um, not only are they battling being a college freshman, which comes with its own just, you know, natural sort of struggles, um, and, and then becoming a college athlete, which is always a transition, but, you know, they all have their individual stories of why they're here. And I could tell you those for days, but it's really my faith plays the biggest part in just prayer for them that they do, you know, they graduate first and foremost, and they leave here being well-rounded young women. And a lot of that's a process um, to overcome a lot of personal battles, um, a lot of stereotypes, a lot of people, you know, my kids, like I mentioned earlier, most of the time I believe in them more than they believe in themselves. And it's a process of Re redefining who they are in their own brain because unfortunately like I said we love to live in a world we live in a world where it love they love to tell us who we can't be and a lot of my girls come in already believing that there's a limit on what they can do and it's just the sad truth that's just the case and so that's a process to undo and to get them to buy into themselves and believe in themselves and that for me starts with helping them understand that they're loved and worthy whether they play basketball or not whether they're successful or not. Um, that what level they go play after here doesn't matter as long as it's the perfect fit for them. Um, you know, and so redefining what those things mean and, and helping them really feel a sense of self-worth that comes from themselves and from Christ is, it's hard um, in the world. It's hard for me. So it's hard for them at 16, 17 years old um, to really understand that. So but you know that's that my faith plays a huge part in that because again it gets overwhelming and I feel a lot of weight with 15 kids, um, but he always makes a way and he always has a plan um, and you know I could sit down and have Bible studies with him every day and you know do all of these things but I think creating a safe place where they feel like they can be themselves it opens all the doors necessary for them to get to know Christ. I, I don't need to tell them. Um, read them 15 scriptures. I just have to love them so hard and show them so much grace that they wonder why, because it's never happened before. And then I can tell them because Jesus did for me and that's why I'm doing it for you. Um, I'm not about, I'm not going to beat you over that with the Bible. I'm just going to love the heck out of you. And that's it. <laughs> can, yeah, you, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey guys, so listen, I had a moment and I had to jump in here because I'm a very private person. I want to first thank you all for adjusting today. Um, but I got to say this because I've learned that when God moves, you you can't hold it. And Raven, you said the best thing you said, you know, I've learned that things are for God's glory. And as I was sitting there and you read the scripture about guarding your heart, my heart was actually enlarged up on a machine. And I immediately started tearing up because I said, God, you have a way to let your glory shine through even the things that are meant to be glum by the enemy. So I just thank you for your message. And I wanted to say that because I, as I move from room to room, I don't want the internet to mess up. So I don't say this. Your message, oh my God, is so from God. And every down and valley moment that you went through that you shared with us, it is all for moments just like these. And I've never seen you coach on a sideline, but having you on as a listener and watching what you do just from afar, your message today was truly from God and what you're doing is truly glorifying him. I can hear it just from your heart, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what you did today. So I thank you so much just for sharing today, um, for your meekness, because as you decrease, he is increasing in every word that you say and everything that you gave today. So thank you for your time and for your gifts and even soothing me on this day because it was almost like, I was like, y'all have to, the person was even listening to and she was in tears and I said, you have to let me say this. So thank you so much just for being here and who you are because trust me, God is moving through you, not only um, on the sidelines, but he definitely moved through you today. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Chelsea. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Kendra, you got it. Thank you so much, Boo. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I, I think that speaks volumes. Um, but like I said, I think there's been multiple times right here where, um, where I've been 
almost ready to tear up and the same thing and the things that you've said it's just um it's unreal but it's absolutely god it's not something of this world it's really not and it's the like for me it's the junior college connection it's the like don't tell and don't let anybody tell you that junior college isn't where it is i think there was something that recently came out that top connect thing and i had an opportunity to do that but i think that's with moving it up and everything like that you've probably seen what i'm talking about but i'm like honestly i'm good where i'm at like i'm good where i'm at and and i think that's awesome to hear somebody else that's the same but it's not because of us it's because god has placed us here and that is something like i said it's amazing to be able to hear that coming from someone else and be able to hear it because i think along with what you said with our players too it's something that the world has decided like a collective group has kind of decided what things should be Mm -hmm. and that's what we all have to kind of go off of yeah and yet a lot of us, especially as servant leaders, we, we know that there's something different. We know that it's God, but yet the world is on the outside looking and saying like, no, this is how it is. This is what it should be. And, and we do have to fight those. And especially at the junior college level, you have two years and sometimes one and to make that impact and to, you have your players. And sometimes at the four-year level, it's the same thing, or at the high school level, it's the same thing when they move through your program. But um, I think that is, absolutely amazing and wonderful i think the you you pointed out that christ came down and he could have done things so much different because he has the power to do things so much different and prove points so many different ways as as we've seen Mm -hmm. um but he came down and humbled himself and became an example and i think that speaks volumes too and you even putting it that way i was like oh well when you put it that way you know what i mean that's it's different and that's awesome um So I think one of the other questions I had for you is um, you are very outspoken when it comes to racial injustice and racial injustices that arise in your society. How important is it for leaders to speak up for what is right? No, it's, um, there's not an option. There's not another option. You know, I, uh, to me, it was, uh, I I talked to some former players, um, when all of this first started, you know, a few months back and one of mine, I literally was just weeping after talking to her because she said she was, she called me and she was like, you know, I have these leaders that claim to, and she had moved on somewhere else, but she was saying, I I have these leaders in my life that claim to know me, claim to love me and claim to want what's best for me, but yet have not reached out one time to see how I am right now. And it just breaks my heart that again, what we do our job is so it's two percent basketball not even like one percent basketball and and the rest is being there for these kids and uh to me there wasn't an option Uh, you know it wasn't an option to stay silent or worry about hurting people's feelings or um whatever i mean that wasn't an option it needed to be done it needed to be said And, and it's way too late you know i one of my main points when i started talking was an apology because the fact that it took all of this for so many people to stand up and say something is the root of the problem. That is the problem. And then, you know, my biggest, uh, what God was really pulling at my heart about was that it doesn't die, that it doesn't go away, that, you know, these, this isn't a discussion that happens for a few weeks. And then we move back on into our careers and winning ball games, And that becomes the priority. And again, to me, it goes all the way back to, making sure that these these kids know that they're more than athletes. And what is that saying to them if we as their leaders, supposed superiors, are when, when they get back on campus, things are back to normal, regular scheduled programming, and we, don't, we no longer care about how these things are impacting you. You're now a player that serves a purpose. And that was my fear. That was my biggest fear. And that's what I don't want my kids to ever feel. Um, and for me, the biggest thing that I can do is just listen, um, create a safe space where they can talk, um, admit that I could never understand, and then hear their stories and love on them through it. Because I can't fix it. I can speak up and say that it's wrong. But the worst thing for me would be if they felt like they couldn't share it. Um, I, I had a situation last year. I was with one of my players in a, in a community service setting. And 
I won't go into details, but there was a conversation had with, with um, a white individual and she said something and when we got back in the car, I, I was angry and I looked at my kid and I was like, what, you know, are you not upset? Do you have anything to say? And she was like, uh, it's no big deal. That's normal. That is what it is, you know, moving on. And to me, that broke me. And, and the fact that, you know, again, we've created this atmosphere in college sports and not everyone, a lot of people are doing it the right way, but we should never create an atmosphere where our kids don't feel empowered enough to tell us those stories and to be themselves and to share their struggles and for us to be there for them. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but it wasn't an option to me to speak up or not. It was absolutely necessary and, um, and very important. So. Yeah, that definitely answers the question. And I appreciate that. And, and I think it speaks volumes that you're listening and that you were listening even before all of this, um, because I think that is more than half of the battle and being able to listen and see things that happen instead of um, shooing them away or acting like they don't exist or anything like that. And so I think that's huge that you're able to listen and then be able to move from there. Um, At this time, what I want to go ahead and do is open it up for any questions. I I have more questions, but I'll open it up for any questions or comments from anyone else. Uh, Thanks, Coach. That was awesome. And, and, Wow was the word that jumped out at me too when I was just making some notes. It just and you know one of my favorite things is be where your feet are, and you definitely are where your feet are. And you're the young young women you work with are very fortunate because they have there's just passion and love just exudes out of just who you are. Thank you. So that's just just powerful. Um, and you know just the strength that you have and the strength that you give to, to the people you work with is just amazing. So again, thank you for sharing today. And, and it's just powerful. Your message is powerful today. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You guys are making me emotional. Hey coach, how you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Um, this is a, a small struggle that I go through um, on a daily basis, at least when it comes to these zoom chats. If I got something going on, I end up being a few minutes late. I contemplate whether I should even show up or not. Because it's like, you, you feel like the one that shows up in class, like, trying to, <laughs> like you don't want anybody to see you. Everybody knows you're late. So my, yeah, I saw you sneak in. I saw you sneak in in the corner. Yeah, I was just like, and not trying to be funny, but no lie, this is what went through my head. I'm like, man, I'm going to get on here and, and somebody going to be crying or something, man. And I'm going to walk in and be like, what has just happened? <laughs> And I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. Screen pops up and it's like, <laughs> I was like, dang, I hate being right sometimes. But point being, like, coaching is, is emotional. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're not, then you're not in the right business. Um, I'm big on, like Paul was saying, you know, be where your feet are. I'm, I'm big on being, like, intentional and being, knowing your why, why you do things the way you do, or, or why you're where you are. And regardless if the money's not matching up or the level or whatever you think, wherever you think you should be, if your, I guess your, your moral compass, if you will, if what you got going on is in line with what you're doing, then don't, don't sweat the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's, that's huge to be able to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. And at the end of the day, parents, boosters, whatever, as long as the 10, 12, 15 kids, whatever, however many I have, as long as they're on the same page with me and we understand what's going on, then I can care less about anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just going to try to do things a certain way. We're going to try to win now. Right. right? Yeah. But, you know. That's the thing. So you never know who you're going to run into, what message you're going to get, how it's going to speak to you. Yeah. And so at least the part that I was here for, I, I don't even try to say anything when I'm this late, but I was like, yo, I got to, because even the limited time that I was in here today, it, it still spoke to me and it still hit me a certain way. Cause it's like, she cares and she gets it. Thank you. So just to be able to, you know, give, give people their flowers while, Keep doing what you're doing, though. So I appreciate it. 
Thank you. That means a lot. I, 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 uh, I remember my first year, every year I've had a few opportunities to leave, but my first year, I'll never forget this. I, I had a job offer and I called somebody asking advice and I was saying, I just, I can't, I'm not ready to leave this group of kids. They were my first freshmen. They were going to be sophomores. And I remember saying like, I'm just not ready. I, I need to see them through. I need to see them walk across the stage. I need to see that. And they looked back at me. Well, they call, I guess I was on the phone, but whatever. They responded with, ah, oh, you'll get over that one day. You'll always have a group of kids that you don't want to leave. Um, you know, the longer you're in this business, it won't be as hard, you know? And I was like, I hope not. <laughs> I hope that I don't ever get to the point where, the, how I like the value of a life is, you know, I, I just, that astounded me that that was even a response. And if I have the day that I am doing this job and it's not about the kids, I got to get out. You know, I, I just, I, what's the point? You know, I'm, I, this, again, this wasn't my plan. I wasn't, I didn't want to be here. I was called to be here. And, it, and if it's not meaningful and if it doesn't have purpose, I mean, would I love not to have to work another job? Yes. Would I love to make more money? Yes. But if that's my motivation behind what I do, I can't do it. I mean, I could go do a gajillion other things and make more money. And, but I just don't think I'd come home and I didn't feel as fulfilled or, or purposeful as I do. But um, that's, it's, it's just been really mind boggling to me. And this is really encouraging. Y'all don't know how much you're encouraging me because um, I do feel a lot of times in this profession, I'm like, where are my people at? Like, where are the people that do this for the right reasons? Like, where are the people? Is it just me? <laughs> you know, because yeah. not that I do it the right way. I fail daily. I don't know all the answers, but I just like the, the heart behind it. So many times I'm in these event, events and stuff and I'm just looking around and like, man, I maybe I, you know, like, where are you? And so this has been really encouraging for me because just hearing other people have the same mindset behind why you do what you do. And it's encouraging to me because I know there's other kids out there being blessed and led in the right way. And this world needs that because we have enough terrible leaders. So, Well, definitely a couple of things. One, like I said, keep doing what you're doing and we're out here. So just make sure that you come back and it's not the only day that you're here. I will come back. Number two, you said something about, you know, your major and everything. And it's funny because I went like, what? Because I'm a communications major myself. And I was like, well, you know, worst case, if coaches don't go the way I plan and I can, I figure I won't look too bad in front of a camera, I hope. And I can put on a suit or something and go talk sports and ESPN or whatever. But there's nothing like being on the sideline. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, sports in general, especially basketball, at least 70% of it is, effective communication. You can know whatever you think you know or be a Hall of Famer, but if you can't get that information out of your head and teach it to the players, there's no point in you being there. And like with my players in particular, they got four phases that they go through with me. Number one, who the heck is this guy? Why is he talking to me? Uh, number two is this dude is bad crazy. And then they get to the third part and go, wait a minute, he's crazy, but he knows what he's talking about. Okay. And then you get to the fourth phase and it's like, if he actually had my back the whole time, I just didn't realize it. Yeah. Yo, coach, what are we going to do today? Like, let's, 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 let's do some more. So now it's like, okay, once they get through that and they realize, yo, he, he actually been looking out for me the whole time. I just didn't realize it because I was fighting it because right. it's different than everybody else did. So, you know, once they get to that, it's, it's Win or loss, cool. I want to be able to see you five years from now and go, you got kids now and, you know, you're doing this and you're working here or whatever. Yeah. When you're in one piece, I'm happy. <laughs> right. I did or didn't make it. Like, I'm, I'm happy because you're happy. So, like, that gave me a little juice for the next the next season or the, the next day or the next hour for some Yeah. But I ain't going to take it up. i let somebody else get it. No, I love that. That's awesome. I know. Hey, guys. I'm out. Can y'all hear me okay? Yes. Okay, cool. So there was another thing that you said, and it's so funny, I didn't have my pencil on paper, so I'll be running this thing back, like, as soon as I get home. Um, but one of the things that I thought that you said was so profound 
how often do we, when we're trying to do God's will, there's outsiders and individuals who try to offer their two cents, right? And, you know, I just heard about when you were talking about, you know, taking the job that you're currently in and the number of people that were saying, don't take that job, don't take that job. And so not so much as a question, but one, kudos to you um, for leaning in on God to make that decision and knowing that sometimes it's not about the title, it's the purpose. You know, we had Brian Burton on, last week and that's one of the things he was talking about that his wife always encourages him about the logo may change but your purpose stays the same and as coaches and leaders and servant leaders i love how you put it that you know you have to guard your heart because i have to make sure that the outside noise does not drown out what god is saying to me and that's a relationship thing and that started like you said all the way back from 10 years old and i and, you know i started like, oh my God, our stories are the same. We're going to have to wrap a lot after this because I've had five knee surgeries, right? It started back when I was a young kid. Like my godmother's always on the call and she'll tell you, like, even as a kid, she'd just be like, all my coaches, like, you're different. It's just something to, who prays like this at 10? But it made so much sense when those battles, like the knee injuries, and like you said, you get into college and you're waiting to play, you're excited, and then boom, this happens. But God has a way of taking you through these battles so you could be battle tested when you get in those places where he needs you to now mold young ladies, mold young women. And especially when you talked about identity crisis, and we keep going back to that, we talk to Patrick Ewan Jr. about a podcast that he's even said he's going to pick the brain of Kendra about, you know, to work on athletes and understanding that that's a form of PTSD. When I've learned that I'm an athlete my whole life and now within this pandemic, like you said, it's been taken away from me or because of an injury, it's been taken away from me or I graduate and in my mind, no one ever told me I was something else. So now I've graduated and I thought I was going pro, but I'm not. So now what am I? Who am I? And so the biggest thing that you said is understanding and learning that your identity is in Christ and that sets the standard. And so I'm so thankful that he placed you where he has, because even though those young ladies, as you mentioned, those 15 babies that weigh their problems weigh on your chest, I so feel you on that. That sounds like this girl, oh my God, I wish you could see me on a table, but God has appointed you for such a time as this. And I'm so glad that you had the servant heart and the servant mindset to follow him and not those individuals that spoke against what he called you to do. So kudos to you for that, because everybody does not have that spiritual strength to do that. So I, I'm a fan. I'm just letting you know that right now. I'm so a fan of you. And thank you again. Yes, no, thank you. I, I love this. And, you know, everyone, it's kind of cliche, but always, everyone always talks about, you know, the closer you get to Christ, the harder Satan comes in swinging. And, uh, you know, for me, who you surround yourself with so important for those, for those, for those moments where you're tested. And um, so I, this group of people is, is super encouraging for that reason too. Um, so I, I love that. And thank you, Chelsea. That means a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there anyone else? And then Chelsea, do you want to close out? How about you take it on in my friend? I've learned that you end how you start. <laughs> is there anyone else that wants to go ahead and say anything? And is um is Coach Dennis is is Mr. Dennis still on the line? I know I saw I saw his name and got excited. I don't know if he's able. If you are able and you hear me, uh, he can definitely when we close out hit us with one of those amazing prayers if he is available. If not, I can hear you guys. Hey everybody, there's my guy. <laughs> I was hoping you. I look. I look, I look frazzled because I'm living that teacher life now. Chelsea ain't tell me what I was in, in store for. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the wonderful world of teaching, my brother. Remember how bright and energized I was in July? Look now. Lord have mercy. Hey, it makes those prayers hit different. That's all. <laughs> I, well, let me just take the time to say this really quickly. Kendra, I want to thank you, boo. Um, I think so often... You're so humble, and I know you're going to be like, oh, my God, please stop. But I think so often we take for granted um, the magnitude of what something is. We w watch it at face value. And when this platform started, uh, you know, in April, never would I have imagined that we'd be sitting here closing out September and actually booked for October, still riding in this thing. And not only have I gained friends and colleagues, but I've gained family. And 
that stood so true today. I've learned a long time ago that family is not denoted by blood, it's denoted by those people who share the same values of you and that literally will give you their heart and their last. And when I asked Kendra, I said, I need something. And she's like, what do you need? Like, and was ready. And that being said, on top of everything else that she needs to be doing and could be doing, it was a no brainer. So Kendra, thank you so much, Boo, for just standing in a gap and being here and being a servant leader, because that's what this is all about. So I just want to take time to thank you so much. Um, and then of course you coach, right? I want to thank you so much because you truly all today was truly, if we've never seen it, this was truly the definition of servant leadership on all fronts. So thank you both so much, like truly from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. I don't know if you heard me in the beginning, but I, I'm, I was real surprised, but incredibly humbled and grateful you asked me to be on and, I think it speaks volumes to the heart behind this, this Zoom call that, like you said, it's still going. Um, that, that speaks enough about it. Um, so I think it's, an, it's incredible and I'm excited to keep tuning in. <laughs> Thank you so much, love. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Coach Wright. We really enjoyed you so, so much. And I think, um, like Chelsea said, and I think like everybody on the call can agree, that I don't think this was an option. And I think she's put this together and it's something that we've even already talked about having um, kind of the first annual conference and doing um, a get together face-to-face whenever everything starts opening back up where we do a servant leadership conference. And I think it's something that it's not a question of if, I think it's necessary. I think it's absolutely necessary for us to continue. And I know, like I said, I haven't been on here every single day, but I know I go back and I watch and I do all of that. But I think this is a platform that is not going to, even if it stops in a year, it's not going to ever stop. And the relationships built aren't ever going to stop because I think it has become family. I was thinking yesterday when I was talking to Coach Chelsea, or I, well, I talked to her pretty frequently anyway, but yesterday when I was talking to her, I was thinking after I got off the phone with her that she's family and I've never even met her face to face. And I think we have technology that has allowed us to do things that we've never been able to do before. But I'm also super, super blessed that I know that if I ever needed anything from her, she would drop the phone and come on a plane if she needed to. So, and I think that is something that speaks volumes for everybody on this call, because I think that that's not the only relationship that's like that. So I do thank you so much, Coach Chelsea. And I thank you, Coach Wright. And um, Coach Dennis, if you can lead us out in prayer, or if there's anything else that you want to say, Coach Wright, we can do that first. But if not, we'll have Coach Dennis lead us out or end us in prayer. No, I'm good. Thank you, guys. Oh, Coach Chris has something to say. Do we still have time? Go for it. All right. It's Coach G. He got me where, like, I just could not say anything. Um, I don't really know what to say, how to get this out, but I do, I have to say it. Um, this past like six months have been moving, living my life has been by like spiritual signs in the universe. So when you said, uh, when you went overseas and you tour and you knew in at this, that time you were like, I was at peace. Well, um, I'm a teacher and my basketball coach and we're getting ready to welcome 35 thousand kids into school next week so everybody is like it's a firehouse it's going crazy but everybody's looking at me who I'm sharing my classroom with they're like you seem really unbothered you know everybody's looking at me because I'm not going crazy and today I was just like I'm at peace and then when when I see you say that and it's like I need to see like I feel like I'm the only one going through stuff so when I get on these calls and there's somebody else that's going through it too. And then words are matching up. It just makes my day and just really cheers me up. So I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing your journey. Uh, it, it was beautiful. Thank you again. But I do have a question. Uh, some things you, you said, like, you know, there's a lot of weight. Teaching, um, 80% of kids with me, they're uh, under poverty, free reduced lunch, and then have to go to basketball. Uh, I'm say this publicly. Um, it takes an emotional toll. Everybody asks me if I'm going to teach 60 years. No, it's not the money. It's the emotional toll. When you love the kids and it's genuine, they latch on 
and you, you latch on to them and then it's like it's a lot of weight so my thing is is what I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out is when you have that weight on your shoulders what do you do to um I'm gonna try to say what do you do to like kind of ease the the pain a little bit or get you back focused because you're like you believe in them more than they believe in themselves so I just wanted to ask if there was anything um you got any advice anything that you do uh you know if you got to figure it out let me know uh, well, I, I was gonna say I'm sorry to disappoint you but I don't have all the answers um yeah it makes me emotional thinking about because you know there's two sides there's you know the one the emotional toll of believing in them more than they believe in themselves and wanting them to be better and then there's also just the worldly reality you know I have kids on my team that when they go home for Christmas I'm not praying that they keep their grades up I'm praying they come home they come back alive and that that's the situations we have and it's just reality and that sucks you know that's so much more than we are designed to handle and the only thing I can tell you is my first year I tried to do it all on my own and I have stories for days and we can talk later one-on-one -on -one if you want but um, I tried to take it all in on my own and fix it because I'm a fixer. I like to, to do it myself, but I, you can't, I can't. And all I, the only advice I can give for you is, is to pray over them, um, and to love them, um, as hard as you already are. I can already like see that in you. Um, and then it, it's, it's just coming to terms with that God's got them in his hands and, as ugly and terrible as the world is, he is so good and so gracious. And even though we can't control all the things that we wish we could, he is, he's good. And I think that's where I get really consumed and how bad everything is, the world is, uh, that I have to remember to, to, to remind myself how good he is and that he always has a plan, whether we see it or not. And we can't do it on our own and we can't fix all the problems, but you know, you doing your part of loving them, being a safe place for them, giving them grace. That's more than that. That is what we're called to do, you know? And, um, the only thing I can tell you is just to, to sit a lot in prayer. Cause that's the only thing I can do. Um, when I come home, cause I understand completely. I see it all over your face. I feel that all the time. And, um, but you being that for them, that's more than enough you know, um, so just keep doing what you're doing. And you, I wanted to say too, you being at peace and not panicking, that is going to be the biggest blessing for those kids when they arrive. Seeing someone steady and firm and confident because their worlds are everyone's worlds. Like they're going to come in on a panic too. It's not going to be the teachers. The kids have been, you know, stuck in the house with mom and dad for way too long or not able to play sports or in terrible situations, I think about all the time, think about how many, you know, everyone's complaining about us playing sports, but for a lot of kids, that's their way out of the house or that's their only opportunity to get out of the situation that they're in. That's their release, it's their freedom. And they've been stuck in a house all day and, and God knows what situations. And so you being at peace when they arrive, them seeing you at peace is gonna be the biggest blessing that they could ask for because that's what they need right now is leadership and peace. So um, just hold on to that as tight as you can. <laughs> I appreciate it. That was great. Um, your saying was in a, well, let me know if I'm wrong, but stop trying to write uh, my own, my own story. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that. that, that was <laughs> so yeah, I'm at peace. I'm happy uh, following what God has and we'll go from there, but I appreciate you. This was perfect. Appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Coach Dennis. Yeah, so wonderful, everybody. Uh, the great Indian leader Mahatma Gandhi once was quoted as saying, I'm so impressed with the Christ of the Christians, but I'm so unimpressed with his followers because they are so unlike their Christ. I couldn't help but to think today, I wish he was on the call. Uh, because this is what it is to be Christ-like, uh, to be sympathetic, to be empathetic. The Word of God says that when Christ seen the multitude, his bowels moved with compassion. And I mean, wow, I was like Coach G. I was running a little late, wasn't sure. And I was like, oh man, I ain't been on in a minute. 
and um, the steps of a good man. I'm not that good, but they were definitely ordered by the Lord today. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for this wonderful community. Uh, the Greek word for uh, authentic fellowship in the New Testament manuscript is koinonia. And this is koinonia, man. This fellowship on this Zoom call is as authentic as authentic gets. And for that, we give God praise. So uh, to Coach Wright, just keep on doing what you're doing. And I'll pray by saying this to all of us. But as she was sharing regarding other people's opinions and what she should do, I have discovered in my life and in ministry in particular, there is nothing more liberating than to be able to fall prostrate before God and pray the following words. God, you said. Because when you know what he said, and you walk in it, whether there's less money, more money, no money, you're out there by faith, God, you said, and that makes me your responsibility. Like uh, I get a bill in the mail and it's related to the ministry, God, you got mail. It can't be my mail because this ain't my work. So keep that in mind as we go forward in the name of the Lord. Father, we do bless you and we thank you for this day, for this community, for these thy precious people. Lord, we pray that each of us would understand the incredible gift that's been given to us, not only to connect via Zoom and social media, but to be called into the kingdom of our God. Lord, that doesn't mean that every day is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to bear the weight of that. But God, I pray that we learn through prayer to insulate ourselves so that when the time comes, we would be ready, willing, and able to stir up the gift in that athlete, that student athlete, whoever she or he may be in front of us, that we would become their Paul, that we would refuse to allow them to neglect the gift. If they come from hurt, if they come from neglect, if they come from the margins or where they've been marginalized, that God, we might be the only voice that they have that can offer them hope for something better than the reality that they're living. And so God, we need your anointing. We need thy presence. We need thy wisdom. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we throw ourselves at thy feet. We pray, God, that you would undergird us. We pray that you would prop us up on every leaning side. And, Lord, make us effective in our ministry. Make us true in our calling. Make, uh, make us authentic in our integrity and our walk before you and your people. Bless, God, this special group of believers. Bless us in the vineyard as we go out to do thy bidding. And on the other side of what you bring us through, we'll be careful to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.